Please remain standing for the reading of God's word found in Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Please be seated. Well, our speaker this morning is Dr. M. David Sills. He is a professor of Christian missions and cultural anthropology at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Before arriving at Southern Seminary, he served as a church planter and evangelist uh, among the uh, in Ecuador among the Highland Kichwa people in the Andes Mountains. He's, he also served there as a professor at the Ecuadorian Baptist Theological Seminary. Dr. Sills is also the founder and president of Reaching and Teaching International Ministries, which really serves people all around the world with pastoral training, leadership training, theological education. He's re- he received his BA from Belhaven College, his MDiv from New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, his Doctor of Missiology, and his PhD from Reformed Theological Seminary, and he's the author of several books on missions, both in English and in Spanish. He's also a former professor of mine, and so I'm glad that he'll be speaking with us this morning. So let's welcome Dr. David Sills. God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in time of trouble. We have many great promises from the Lord in His Word to talk to us about how He is our refuge. No matter what the threat, no matter what the danger, we may flee to Him and find that He is our strong defense. And I know that in a great church like this, with the legacy and the history and the great teaching that you have, I don't have to persuade you of the truth of God's Word. But I do want to reflect a little bit on the refuge that is ours, the refuge that God has given to us, His people, from the onslaughts of the enemy, from His wrath that our sins so rightly deserve. As we think about the refuge that is ours, I think it's appropriate and very interesting that we are approaching now the 500th anniversary of the Reformation 
When Martin Luther nailed up those 95 theses saying, here are the issues that Bible-believing Christians should have with the reigning Christian form of the time. But when he did so, he was in danger. There was a price on his head. And when he was in hiding or when he was being kept safe by friends, he found refuge in God. And in Psalm 46 that we've just read, and he wrote a hymn that we still sing today, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. God is our refuge. He's our strength. And no matter what the danger may be, it could be a a man-made disaster. It could be a natural or rather an unnatural disaster that threatens, but He is there for us. It's very much like the, the kind of threat that we feel like when we're driving in, a, in the rain in a, in a terrible storm and we can barely see past the hood of our car and it's just other cars are pulling off. We may wonder why we're not pulling off, but we continue to go down that rainstormed interstate. And then all of a sudden we go under an o- overpass or, or a bridge and it's just... <laughs> And then absolute silence, peace, reigns. It's so startling that it comes so quickly. That's the refuge that we have in God. No matter what what life is throwing at us, what the devil is throwing at us on a regular basis, we can run to him and find that kind of refuge. But you know, many of us, we go to him, we lay our burdens before him, we cry out, Lord, help. And then when we finish praying, we pick up our burdens and take them back with us into the world. And we're like that driver who goes under the overpass and there's a peace and then he continues to go right back out into the world. It doesn't have to be that way for God's people. He's promised us refuge, protection, peace in difficult times. Moses certainly in his own strength could not have gone against Pharaoh, but God was sufficient He was the refuge for Moses even in that time. He was the refuge for Daniel when he was thrown into the lion's den. And he is sufficient for you, no matter what the threat or what the danger. Sounds too good to be true, but it's it's like a commercial I saw a few years ago. Perhaps you remember it with me. I I don't even remember the product they were selling. But in the, the scene, there was a little girl standing on the African savanna in a pretty little dress, had a little flower she was smelling, and really peaceful scene. But the camera panned back, and you saw this massive rhinoceros charging toward this little girl. And the dust was blowing behind the animal, and it got closer and closer, and, and disaster just seemed imminent. And at the last minute, the rhinoceros stopped and the dust blew on by and the little girl leaned over and kissed him on the nose. And the announcer said, trust is not being afraid even when you're vulnerable. We should have that kind of trust. No matter what the devil threatens, no matter what he points our way, we find trust in Him. Look at me, look with me in these first few verses of Psalm 46, and let's just kind of look at what the Lord has said to us. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. In in contrast to the roaring ocean, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. Whether it's terrorism, 
whether it's violent men, whether it's crime, God is our refuge. He is there. He is always caring for us. And in verse 6, we see that no matter what might happen, God is our protection. Nations rage. Kingdoms totter. He utters His voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how He has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Even the war machines themselves He destroys. God is our ever-present help. He's always there. When we first started raising our support as missionaries, an older missionary who had raised his support for many years was trying to encourage me. He said, David, remember what Hudson Taylor said, God's work done God's way will never lack for God's provision. And then he said, you know, I have always found that the Lord is always there. He said, the Lord is never late. And then I smiled, and he started to walk away, and he stopped and looked back with a twinkle in his eye. He said, he's seldom early, but he's never late. And we found that to be true. But you know, Abraham and Isaac, they found that to be true. It wasn't until Abraham raised the knife that the angel stayed his hand. It wasn't until Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into that fiery furnace that they found deliverance. The threat was there. They trusted in the Lord, and when they came out, they didn't even smell like smoke. The Lord is able to deliver. Peter found that out. The night before his scheduled execution, the Lord sent the angel to deliver him. All of the the things that we have planned to protect ourselves, the Lord says in verse 10, Be still and know that I am God. Quit it. Stop. Let your hands hang down, literally. Just stand before the Lord and see His deliverance. Be still and know that I am God. There are two rules for peace in this life. If you want to lower your stress, two rules. Number one, there is a God. Number two, you are not Him. We have to come to the place where we can just trust that what the Lord says is true. I know this psalm seems too good to be true, But this is the truth. God has promised that we can totally rely upon Him and quit fretting, quit being anxious. He loves you, and He has a plan for you. And He is in absolute sovereign control over every molecule in the universe. Someone said, God is all you need. I heard Steve Brown preaching a few years ago. He said, you know, you'll never know that God is all you need until you come to the place in life where God is all you have. And when you come to the place where God is all you have, you'll find God is all you need. Gladys Aylward was a missionary, and she was leading over 100 orphan children away from the invading Japanese in China. And they were headed to the mountains, trying to make their way through, and it looked bleak. It looked hopeless. And this little orphan girl said to her, you know, teacher, this is just like Moses fleeing the Egyptian army from Pharaoh, and they came upon the Red Sea. And she looked back at the little girl, and she said, yes, child, but I am not Moses. And that 13-year-old orphan looked at her, and she said, yes, but Jehovah is still God. And He was. And He is. 
and he will ever be, and we can trust him as his people. Would you turn with me over to Psalm 91? Let's look through a few of those verses to see if, if maybe the Psalms might tell us something else about the refuge that we have in him. Verses nine, 1 and 2 of, verse, of chapter 91 or Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Notice, it's those who dwell in God's presence. Not those who simply just flee there from time to time, but those who come and live. Their lives are characterized by spending time in God's presence. Here's a question. If you find out this morning that the Bible is just simply not true, there is no God, what would be different about your life, about your day-to-day activities? What would be a marked change? Those who dwell in the shadow of the Almighty, they remain in His presence. They find their shelter, their protection from all danger that could come. The psalmist begins to tell us some of the kinds of dangers that could come and that God, from which God will deliver us. Look in verse 3, for He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. God alone can see around the corner the plots that the devil is hatching against you. We can't even protect ourselves. We can't even anticipate them and even have a flimsy protection in place because we don't even know what they are. God knows. And He has always known, and He is there for those who are calling in His name. Verses 4 and 5, He says, He will cover you with His pinions, and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day. What are the images that come to your mind when you think of terrorism? Mine too. Those are the things we think about. And we wonder... This world is spinning out of control. There is so much danger on every hand, reckless violence of evil men and women. How can we ever protect ourselves? And we just cannot. There is no way. But the one in whose name we have learned to dwell, he is the one who can and will protect us. Listen to just a few passages on trust and fear. Isaiah 30, verse 15, for thus the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, has said, in repentance and rest, you will be saved. In quietness and trust is your strength. Psalm 4, 4 and 5, tremble and do not sin. Meditate in your heart upon your bed and be still. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and trust in the Lord. Isaiah 29, 11 and 12. The steadfast of mine you will keep in peace because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever. For in God the Lord we have an everlasting rock. And one more. Psalm 56, 3 and 4. When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise. In God I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid. Not ever. Daytime. Or nighttime? What about verse 6 back in Psalm 91? Nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. You know how in Psalm 139 it says, Some wait for the morning, but with the Lord, darkness is as light. 
It says daytime with Him. He is always there day and night to protect you from, yes, even that threat. The thing that makes you worry, make, the thing that makes you furrow your brow or wring your hands or keeps you up at night. If I should get boring today, if you could imagine that, your mind will immediately go there. Those are the things that we think about and we, we constantly are drawn back to how can we be ready for them. Even from those things, day or night, God has promised His protection. During a time of sickness in our world today, we think about all the diseases that go around. We as missionaries, we have to think about Zika and all kinds of other things that constantly are cropping up. And we wonder, here it says, even from the pestilence that stalks in darkness, from from diseases that will reach epidemic proportions. There was a time when Asiatic cholera was spreading through London, and Spurgeon found himself in his ministry going from sickbed to sickbed, from, from funeral to funeral, and from home to home, and he was so tired and so weary, and he felt himself beginning to succumb to the symptoms of the disease, and, and you can imagine the terror that would strike your heart if you had been to funeral after funeral after funeral, and it looked like no one was going to survive, and you began to feel that, but he noticed out of the corner of his eye as he walked down the street a placard in a shop window. And as he drew near, he read a handwritten sign that was Psalm 91. And he drew strength, and he trusted in the Word of the Lord because he knew that we have a refuge, and we can trust without fear. John Calvin said, no higher affront can be offered to God than to give way to fear as if he were not exalted above all creatures so as to control all events. He is either God or He is not. And if He is, and He is, we may trust Him and His Word. Isaiah said, The Lord has said to me in the strongest terms, Do not think like everyone else does. Do not be afraid that some plan conceived behind closed doors will be the end of you. Do not fear anything except the Lord Almighty. He alone is the Holy One. If you fear Him, you need fear nothing else. He will keep you safe. No matter what comes, no matter the threat, verse 9, back in Psalm 91, because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague will come near your tent. He explains a little bit how God is able to protect us, what He is planning to do. In verse 11, it says, He will command His angels concerning you, to guard you in all your ways. On their hands, they will lift you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent. You will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. And listen to this. I will protect him. Why? Because he knows my name. Now, do you know his name? Have you entered into a right relationship with Him through Christ? Therein is our refuge. From every threat, we can find refuge. God is there. He hears us. And God can… He doesn't promise us that we won't have trouble. No, don't read that. He promises us that we will have trouble. But He says, I will deliver you from it, or I will deliver it from you, or I will deliver you through it. God always hears and answers every prayer that we pray in His name. Always. He may say yes immediately. He may say no immediately. Or He may say wait. 
And he always heals when we call on him and ask him to bring about healing. He always brings about healing. But that healing may be temporary, where we do get well for a period of time. And it could be that that healing that he knows is best is a permanent healing that will last for all eternity, without sickness, without sorrow, without difficulty, from now on, no more fever, no more sorrow, from now on, a permanent healing may be what he brings about. You remember that everybody that Jesus healed died. The healing that we pray for, the prayers that we pray that in our human eyes don't seem, how can this psalm be true? The psalm is true. Our God is faithful and we can trust in his word. But notice again in in verse 14, it's for those who call on his name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I'll be with him in trouble. I'll rescue him. I'll honor him. And with long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation for the ones who call on my name. And so we reflect this morning on the great refuge that is ours. In just a few verses, some of them seem almost too good to be true, but they are true, and they're ours, they're yours. And as we reflect on that, I would have us to remember that while we have refuge in God through Christ, the nations have none. This morning, a third of the people on the planet have not heard the gospel message. They don't have a missionary. They don't have a church. They don't have a Jesus film. They don't have a Bible. They don't have any access to the gospel whatsoever. Over 2 billion people. And last night, before you went to sleep, about 50,000 people, which is the average daily, about 2,000 people stepped from this life into a Christless eternity with no access to the gospel. And that will happen again today. And it will happen again tomorrow. And it will happen again the next day. Because they do not have the refuge that is ours. This refuge that is ours is not just for us. We are to take it to the nations, rescue the perishing. As William Carey preached in the great sermon that sort of launched the modern missionary movement there from London going to India, he said we need to extend the tent stakes and we need to bring others in. That's the task that God has given to us, His church. Yes, He's given us great blessings and promises, but they're not just for us. They're for the nations. We are to take this to the world. Now, this is not in question. This is not, we wonder if this will ever be true. Because in the last part of verse 46, begin, the, the part where we left off in verse 10 was the very first part. Be still and know that I'm God. But He continues right after that, and He gives us some concrete absolutes. Some things that are absolutely true that we can bank our eternity on. That we can trust what he, has had to, what he has to say. He says, be still and know that I am God. He is. But then notice what he, lo- what he says. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. This is not... A question, we wonder whether this will happen. And we also see another absolute. He is with us daily as we do so. As we seek to take His name around the world, the Lord of hosts is with us. It's really encouraging to me that He doesn't say, I will be with you. He is with us. Jesus came near and spoke to them saying, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you. And lo, I am 
with you always. Not I will be. That would be wonderful enough. But Emmanuel means he is here in this space right now. This is holy ground. We are gathered in his name, and he is here with us. I told the group last night when we were thinking, if we could get quiet enough and get inside of ourselves and really think about that truth, I wonder if we might even hear the sound of sandal footsteps among us. He is here. And He will be with us wherever we go around the world, no matter the threats and no matter the difficulty. We have refuge in Him. And He says, take this refuge to the nations. Bring others to glory in My name as well. The refuge is not just for us. He is a mighty fortress. Whatever threatens us, we can go to Him. The nations have no refuge. And it's interesting to me that not only does he say that I'm going to be exalted around the earth, but in one of the passages of the suffering servant passages, you know, and we understand the suffering suffering servant to be Jesus, God the Father is speaking in a sense to the suffering servant. We're sort of overhearing a conversation between God the Father, God the Son in Isaiah 49, 6, where the Father says, it's too small a thing for me that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and the nation of Israel. I will make you a light for the nations. And we know that speaking of Jesus because when Joseph and Mary brought the baby Jesus to the temple to be dedicated, Simeon takes the baby in his arm and he cites this very verse. God cares about the nations. Yes, He is our refuge. Yes, we should reflect on that, but we should remember that the nations have no hope. Untold millions are still untold. Animists, Buddhists, Muslims, Hindus, Zoroastrians, Confucians, picking a religion anywhere around the world. Yes, they have a religion. Every culture already has one. Why? Because they know there's a creator. Psalm 2, 14 and 15 says we know we've sinned against that creator. And we know that we're going to spend eternity somewhere. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says he has set eternity in our hearts. So all the world has created some kind of a religion, but there's no peace there. And there's no refuge because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. And Peter said, there is no other name under heaven given unto men by which we must be saved. Only in Christ do we have this refuge and the nations have none. They need to hear the gospel. Yes, they're religious in many ways. So was Nicodemus. And Jesus said, you must be born again. They need the gospel. But the gospel, Carl F.H. Henry said, is only good news if it gets there in time. And for another 50,000 today, it won't. Paul said, Romans 10, 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And we like that. That'll preach. That's a good one. Makes us feel good. But then he began to ask a series of uncomfortable questions. He said, wait a minute. How can they call on somebody they don't believe in? And how can they believe in somebody they've never even heard of? And how can they hear unless someone preaches? And how can they preach unless they are sent? Spurgeon said, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. And he didn't mean you had to sell the farm and go to the other side of the world. He didn't. So what did he mean? Probably something like a missionary is anyone who cannot get used to the sound of pagan footsteps on their way to a Christless eternity. It could be that as you go to sleep tonight, you will begin to think about 50,000 more people that step into a Christless eternity. If you're not to be a goer, you are to be a sender. 
You are to spend and be spent for the sake of the nations. You are to send others as if souls depended upon you. Just like the church at Syria and Antioch, when the Holy Spirit said, set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work I have for them to do, that church was not in sin because they weren't going also. Their job was to send Barnabas and Saul. And our job is either to go or we are to send. You're either a goer or you're a sender or you are in sin. There is no other option. Yes, we have these great promises and great blessing of, being, of having refuge in Christ, but He's told us to take this message to the nations. And then He said in Luke 6, 46, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you do not do what I say? So I would have us to reflect on the great refuge that we have. I would have us to remember that the nations have none outside of Christ. And then to reevaluate our priorities in light of the refuge we have and the absence of it around the world. We've, we've thought about, we've heard about on the news, and I don't want to enter into any kind of a political discussion. I'd rather just stay with what the Scriptures say. But over and over and over from the Old Testament forward, we are told to care for the alien, to care for the orphan, to care for the widow. And there are hundreds of thousands of refugees, stateless, homeless people without hope in this world. And you say, but brother, there is great danger there is great danger. Brother, they, they have terrorism. Some of them might. Yes, that is true. But you remember, we saw that we have refuge from that terrorism. We have refuge from the fear that could be ours. Some people have bought the notion that our goal as Christians is to tiptoe on eggshells, breathing shallow breaths through this life, trying to get to our deathbed as safely as possible. Don't waste your life on you. It's not yours. You've been bought with a price. Jim Elliott said, live to the hilt every situation that you believe to be the will of God. Wherever you are, be all there. I would hate to come to the end of this life and step from this life into that which is truly life, looking over my shoulder and realize I lived this life just for me. I wonder if among the immigrants and the refugees, the homeless, the stateless, the people who are cut off in a land without Christ even. I wonder about all the people in the world. Is, is Jesus standing among any of them? You remember he said whenever you've ministered to one of the least of these, and in Matthew 25 he said when you didn't minister to one of the least of these. And those kinds of passages reflect in my mind when I'm tempted to retreat inside of a little safety zone. And I pray that God would keep me from wasting my life in my own comfort zone. What if you were taken by God when you walk out of this sanctuary today? As you walk out to go get in your car, you're taken. Your body falls down and you begin to go through the death passage. And as you go, you're beginning to reflect on your life, your legacy, all that you leave behind, everything that you spent your money and your time on and your, your counsel and everything that God had given you. It's just passing through your mind. And somebody pulls back a curtain and you can see into the pit of hell people in abject terror and, and horror suffering. And you know somehow intuitively they're going to be there for all eternity. And it, in, ref, in, in comparison with all you've done with your life, and then all of a sudden you're standing outside with your keys in your hand. God's given you more time. He's given you a, another opportunity. What would you change? 
change it. We have that opportunity now to think, Lord, the path that I'm walking, does it lead to the place where I would like to end up with my life? How can I spend and be spent for your sake? What is that which is not being done that ought to be done that I could do? And if it were done, it would result in greater extension of your kingdom and greater glory to your name. I know that sounds a little convoluted, but that's the second to last thing I pray every single day. I pray that. What is it that's not being done that ought to be done that I could do? And if it were done, it would result in greater glory to your name, greater extension of the kingdom. And then I think about it for a minute. And then the last thing I say is, Lord, I will go anywhere, anytime, and do anything you say. I told my daughter not long ago, I always feel a little guilty when I go to bed in the same zip code where I woke up. There's just so much that needs to be done in this world. And, and I wonder, in light of the refuge that we've been given, dare we keep it to ourselves? And with so many people in the world who have not heard, is God still calling men and women to himself to go or to send? And I can't help but believe that he is. And I talk to people a lot about the missionary call, and sometimes people say, well, brother, I just haven't heard God calling. And I remember a story I heard about a guy in Manhattan walking down the street with one of his friends, a Native American guy. And you know how Manhattan is just crazy. There's just so much activity everywhere. And this was the middle of the day around Times Square with buses and horns and sirens and subways going under the street, people shouting at one another, running around. And his friend, the Native American guy, said, I hear a cricket. He said, you do not hear a cricket. He said, no, I do. I hear a cricket. He said, you can't. And he walked over outside this hotel. There were these two big planters. And he reached under there and he said, see? He said, how did you do that? He said, oh, watch this. And now, remember, with all these people running everywhere, sirens, horns, subways, buses, everything like that, he reached in his hand, he grabbed a handful of coins, and he dropped them on the sidewalk. And when the money hit the sidewalk, every head within 30 feet turned to hear where the money came from. And he said to his friend, it just depends on what you're listening for. There are a lot of voices shouting for your attention this morning. But there is a world that desperately needs the gospel what are you listening for? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and for the promises that we find in it. We thank you for the refuge that's ours. Lord, we know that this world seems to be so chaotic, flying out of control. It doesn't seem like there's any plan or purpose, and yet we know that you are in control. You are God. You will be exalted in this earth that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover this earth as the waters cover the sea. That is a sure prophecy in your word, and Lord, we embrace that. But even as we celebrate it, Lord, help us to be mindful of those who need refuge and help us to be sensitive to their need to spend and be spent to see that they hear the gospel and are brought into safety. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.